Taking Your Crisis to Christ, next on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Maybe like the man we'll meet today on Abounding Grace, you're facing a crisis or even the greatest trial you've ever faced. In that place of desperation and hurt, where do we turn? In the story we're about to read in John chapter 4, a nobleman's son is sick and near death. And in the midst of the crisis, he turns to Christ. You see, this difficulty in his life brought him to Jesus. And the Lord can use our circumstances to accomplish the same in our lives. Let's go to Pastor Ed Taylor now and be encouraged by what Jesus can do when we turn to him in faith. We meet a man today, a father, a daddy, gripped with deep emotion. His son is close to death. And he is in a place of just about desperation. Perhaps he was going back and forth between desperation and trust. And that word desperation came up as I was putting the study together. So I looked it up in the dictionary, and this is what the definition of desperation is. The the dictionary defines it as a state of despair. And you know, well, that helps a lot. Thank you, dictionary. That happens a lot when you're looking up words where they'll just give you the root word. So I looked up despair, and despair is defined as this. The complete loss or absence of hope or hopelessness. We meet a man today who's close to despair, but not quite. And we really don't know if he crossed the line to despair and back and forth, because those of you that have been in deep crisis, you know that you do cross back and forth from time to time, from a place of hopelessness to hope, from a place of strength to weakness, from a place of trust to worry. And the more we study worry, the more we look at worry, the more we're reminded of how easy it is to worry even more. You know, if you're one of those people that's gripped with uh, emotional things like worry, anxiety, fear. You need to be very, very careful uh, at looking at these studies or thinking about worry because it's very easy if you have an issue with worry and fear to become more fearful, more worried, uh, the more you think about it. And and what do you do? It's very easy to do. Uh, you, you, You start thinking, well, what if? And what if? And what about? And what if this happens? And before you know it, you're so far ahead that you're losing today because that's what worry is. You know, the word worry actually comes to us from a word that means to choke. And that's what worry does. It chokes out faith. And it chokes out spiritual growth. And I didn't look at the numbers uh, for the study today, but I remember and I recall a time when I looked up uh, and saw that most of the things, they had a percentage, you know, maybe 80, 90% of the things that we worry about never come to pass. They never happen. Except that while we're worrying about it, we're robbed of the joy of today. Now, the more they study worry and the more they study fear and anxiety and these emotions, the more information that comes out that would make us worry more. Because fear loves to inspire worry in our lives. Worry 
fear, anxiety, stress have literal physical consequences. Not just spiritual, not just emotional, but literal physical consequences. Worry breaks down our resistance to disease. Worry destroys the nervous system. Worry messes with our digestive organs. It starts to weaken our heart. And it's said that worry can even shorten our lifespans, literally choking out life from us. And we meet a man, whether he's desperate or not, we know... Whether he's hopeless or not, we know that there is a sense of desperation in him where he is faced with the sickness of his son that put his son close to death. And that's where we pick up in verse 46 now in John chapter 4 where we learn that Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee where he had made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. And when he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So it's a very dramatic time in the life of Jesus. It's a very emotionally charged, worry-filled situation between this dad and his son. And, And with the situation that's in his life, he brings it to the very presence of Jesus looking for help. Now understand this nobleman was a man of great wealth and prominence. He was a royal officer. Today we would consider him part of the royal family. Very important. In this case, he was part of Herod's court. And he had, literally, you would look at him and conclude that he had everything that a person would want. He had fame, he had prestige, he had money, he had power, he had position. He had everything that a person would want... Except at this point in his life, he didn't have a peace of mind. And really any station of life that you're in, whether you're doing really well or not doing so well at all, when crisis hits, it has a tendency to rob you of your peace of mind. In this case, this nobleman's son was sick. Very sick. He was watching his son drain away, literally close to death. Now, In cases like this, as believers, we have wonderful privileges to actually get involved in people's lives. That is why you're a believer and follower of Jesus. God has saved you so that he might use you. And the way that he uses us is to get involved in people's lives, both believer and unbeliever alike. And one of the privileges that we have is to be involved in people's lives in the good times, rejoicing with those that rejoice, like we saw in our earlier service when we had the baby dedication with little Fiona. There's such a huge backstory behind that where her mom and and she faced great crisis during the pregnancy. uh, That there was some uncertainty that went on and great concern, just trusting in the Lord. And and, and it's good now, now to go through the difficult time with them, but also then to have little Fiona in my arms praying for her that God came through. And it was an encouraging time. As a pastor, it's a privilege to be involved in people's lives, whether it starts at a pregnancy that we've been waiting and waiting and waiting and finally the Lord answer, or maybe an adoption. And then from that, be able to walk through and unfortunately have to be at the bedside of those that are sick and those that are dying. It's a privilege. It's hard to make hospital visits from time to time. It's hard to officiate funerals and memorials, but it's a privilege Truly, Charles Spurgeon, in his book, Lectures to His Students, when he was raising up men for the ministry, he said that in order to be a good pastor and in order to stay fresh on the cutting edge of pastoral ministry, that it's important that pastors and leaders remain very, very close to the dead and the dying. 
It'll remind you of what you're involved in. You're involved in life and death issues. That life and death literally hang in the balance. And so we do have the privilege of going and praying at the hospital. We do have the privilege of being a part of both the good times and the not so good. And it's hard. It's hard to go to the hospital. It's hard uh, to go to certain hospitals. Uh, It can be very, very hard. And it's even more hard when you see a child that's sick and suffering. And it's even greater. The hardest thing to do is to see your own son suffer. To see your own son drain away. Because no parent wants to bury their own child. No parent wants to ever stand at the graveside with their son's name there on the ground and go through all the trauma. So you can see that with this man, his son's very sick and he's bordering on this place of desperation and he finds out that Jesus is in town and we're reminded, John says, that he went from Judea up into the area of Galilee but there was a big pause, wasn't there, on the way. The Bible says in chapter 4, verse 4, that Jesus had to go through Samaria. And for the last many weeks, we looked at why he had to go through Samaria. First, it was to meet the woman and minister to her needs. Then it was to spark a revival throughout the city of Samaria of a forgotten people. Then, on top of that, he stayed a couple days so that the timing of this son's sickness and this dad was in perfect harmony with the timing of Jesus going through, pausing. You know, it's one of the things, it's not a Bible study we're going to look at in depth today, but you need to understand that God is always on time. You can trust him with his timing. We may not see his timing. We may wonder where he's at. We may wonder why he's not acting. We may wonder why his timing is not my timing, why his ways are not my ways, but it is perfectly the timing of the Lord to go through Samaria, to spend time with that woman, to stay a couple days when he was asked, perfect on time, so that this nobleman finds him in Cana of Galilee, and his son was sick over in Capernaum, about 17 miles away, And here is this man who dearly and tenderly loves his son and his son was just barely hanging on because sorrow and grief and fear and anxiety and worry has hit this man's home. And sorrow and grief will hit everyone's home, church. Sooner or later, it's going to happen. Filled with worry, anxiety, concern, he hears Jesus is about 17 miles away and rushes over to him as fast as he can. It was certainly a desperate situation. And he was willing. It was such a desperate situation that you got to get the picture in your mind. He was willing to leave his sick son in order to go find help by faith and trusting that Jesus would be able to help him. Now get the picture when we come to verse 47 where it says he heard that Jesus came in from Judea, out of Judea in the Galilee. He went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son for he's at the point of death. This is a pretty dramatic scene in, in and of itself because the nobleman was a very rich man. He had many possessions and here's Jesus moving about, coming into the city. He just finished with the revival in Samaria and this nobleman probably came up in a, in a very ostentatious way. It's, don't get the picture of him just coming up one person to another and Jesus and him hanging out. He's surrounded by a crowd and the crowd probably only grew more when this nobleman showed up, probably coming on a very expensive, beautiful horse, arrayed in his royal garb, being a part of the royal court, maybe surrounded by 
guards or what we would call today secret service protecting him and guarding him. This is a big deal. And as he's coming up and as he's slowing down, people are seeing it running and rushing so that now Jesus is surrounded by a crowd. The nobleman comes off. And and the thing I see about this is that when crisis hit his home, he didn't care what he looked like. All decorum was thrown. He didn't care. He jumps off his horse, come to Jesus, say, look, this is what's going on in my life. There was no protocol. There was no, no, no mention of, you know how the royal family can be today. There's a very precise, specific protocol. No protocol when crisis hits. We're all on level ground. And he comes and implores him. Did you notice that in verse 47? You might want to mark that if you like to write in your Bibles. He came to him and implored him to come down. You can circle the word if you like to write in your Bible. Circle the word implore. It literally means to beg or to ask with emotion. To ask forcefully. He implored him. Now here's a man coming to Jesus and asking strongly for help. Now we have a a word for that, what this man is doing. It's very similar to when you have a crisis and you go to Jesus and you ask for help. There's a word for that. What do we call that? Prayer. In its basic definition, prayer is very simple. It's a man or a woman talking to God. Humans talking to God. That's prayer. There's no special language to learn. There's no special place. You know, there's no, maybe you grew up in Sunday school and they taught you how to pray. They said, close your eyes, fold your hands, and bow your heads. Did you learn that when you were a kid? Those of you who grew up in church? You know, basically that was just to keep you from pulling Sally's pigtails in front of you and to calm the class down. Let's play. Because that doesn't work when you're driving. You can't pray like that while you're driving. So I just got this, wait a minute, Lord, I need to close my eyes. No, no, that ain't going to work. You can't do that. So it's not the position. It's not the position of your hands or your body kneeling, standing. It, it is the position of the heart that matters, and prayer is talking to God. So here, he doesn't care how he looks. He's coming. He's got a problem, a, a, a significant problem. He comes and asks for help. He was praying. And one of the things this man had to learn about prayer, and one of the things that we need to learn about prayer, is that while God answers every single one of our prayers, it's not always answered in the way that we necessarily expect it to be answered. Yet, God answers all of our prayers, and it's not, it's not always the way we expected or that we wanted. Because sometimes you'll pray for your sick son and he won't live. And sometimes you'll pray for your sick daughter and she won't live. In this case, we see an example of a boy that does live, and for that we're very happy. But God will answer prayer, not always the way we expect. And you know, our faith needs to be deep enough and wide enough to embrace and receive the answer that God gives us in whatever way he chooses to give to us. Why do we gather together? Is it just for religious purposes, or are you wanting your faith to go deeper? Are you truly desiring to know who God is? Are you truly desiring? Jesus gave us an example of testing the foundation of your life. He used the picture of houses. I get the picture with the way it is here where all the track homes, they all kind of look the same. And you've got two houses that are built primarily the same, same siding, same framing, same everything. You look at them and they all look the same, but you've got two next door neighbors together. 
And it's the same foundation. They dug the same hole for the basement, put up the same concrete. They poured the concrete from the same truck. It, it seems to be exactly identical houses, except, you know, one of the things we learned in Colorado, that you've got to test the soil. You've got to test the soil because you can have two houses right next to each other standing on two very different soils. And I thought, wow, how appropriate for an illustration that Jesus would give us when he describes these two guys that they decide to build their houses, but they chose different foundations. One built his house and everything about his house on a sandy foundation, and the other person built their house on the rock. Now, if you were to go into my neighborhood, if I was to go into your neighborhood, I would have no idea how strong your house is. I'd have no idea how strong your foundation is by just standing at the street and looking at the houses. They're building new houses in our neighborhood and around our neighborhood. And I'm, when I go on my walk in the evenings, I walk through that neighborhood and I'm watching all the houses go up and I'm watching all the holes be dug. And I have no idea what kind of ground they're building these houses on. I just see them go up. They all look the same to me. If I was looking in that house, I probably wouldn't go to the, to the ground and test the ground. I'd go into the, to the center there. They'd open up all the different plans. They'd show me where I could pick in my neighborhood. But I'm not really thinking about the foundation. But let me tell you something. When your house is being rocked, you're going to care about your foundation then. And that's what Jesus said. He says, the way you find out your foundation is by the storms of life. And isn't it true? There are times when the storms of life come. And actually, the literal phrase that he uses in the English translation is that the wind came and beat on that house. There are times, like six suns here, that the storms of life beat on your house. And you really found out, find out what you built your house on. Your house being the picture of your life. What you've built your life on. Where you have been spending your time expanding, is your faith deep enough? Is it wide enough to receive the answer from God? You see, Jesus was willing to heal this man's son, but he didn't say so right away because he wanted to do something even greater in this man's life than just heal his son. Now, the crisis in his life, because we all face crises, the crisis in his life got his attention and he comes to Jesus. But see, Jesus had far more in mind than just solving his problem because his problem actually wasn't his sick son. His problem was being separated from God. His problem was not having a relationship with the God that loves him and sent his own son Jesus to die for him. You see, what's going to happen, as we'll see in a moment, is not only will his son get healed, but his family will get saved. You see, he gets saved, the nobleman, and he leads his family. Men, you lead your families. You're the leader of your family. You're the one that God has ordained. So lead, and lead them to the Lord. You know, one of the things that happens too when crisis comes, not only do you find out what your foundation is, but you know another thing you find out? Most things don't really matter. There are things in life that are more important than putting air in your tires, painting your house, getting a loaf of bread. You know, there are things in life that are more, there are things that are more important than your career and how you're going to pay the bills and what are you going to do, where are you going to live? Should I take this class or not take this class? Should I go to college, not go to college? Those are all important in and of themselves. Every single one, you don't put air in your tire, you can have a blowout. It's not that they're not important. But when crisis comes, God starts to rearrange your priorities. He starts to remind you what's important and what's not important. He starts to show you, you know, the things you've been caring about, the things you've been important to you are not really that important at all. When the storms start to beat on your house, you find a lot of things out about your life and your relationship with God. You see, the most important thing in your life right now is to have a right relationship with Jesus. That is the most important. Your greatest problem in life is sin. 
And God's greatest solution is the forgiveness of sin through his son, Jesus Christ. Don't you love a God who met man's most important need? He sacrificed his own son for you. In a few moments, you'll have a chance to receive Jesus today, to live your life for him, to turn away from your sinful past and accept the only solution for your life. And it could be that Aaron and the tire did get your attention. It could be that the notice you got from your association to paint your house, you're like, oh, I can't believe you paint my house. And you start to remember, no, I signed an agreement I should paint my house. You know, and you start to, ah, oh, or a sick son, or a loss of a loved one, or a disintegrating marriage, a frustration in your singleness, the crisis of life, a backslidden son, a son that you raised one way, but he's not living that way, or daughter, or grandchild. Sometimes God allows calamity and hardship and difficulty to get your attention, to wake you up for your need of God, believer and unbeliever alike. It was C.S. Lewis that wrote, and I quote, God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks to us in our conscience, but he shouts in our pains. Pain is God's megaphone to arouse a deaf world. Sometimes God does whisper. Sometimes God speaks and we don't respond. We don't listen. So he gets out of that megaphone of pain and boy, does that quickly wake us up. And that's what's happening with this man. This is Abounding Grace, and Pastor Ed Taylor is our Bible teacher and the pastor of Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. You can hear these radio programs on our website anytime of the day or night at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Another way to grow on the go is by downloading our app. Search for Ed Taylor. And we have a couple of podcasts as well. You can listen to Abounding Grace and Lead to Serve wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, By the way, that's Lead, the number two, Serve. In it, Pastor Ed discusses the value of servant leadership. Pastor Ed, today's message reminds me of our monthly support offer. It's your book, God's Help for the Troubled Heart. How might this encourage our listeners when a crisis hits? Well, Larry, the book was written uh, out of personal crisis. Uh, It was actually started as a series of Bible studies that I did here at Calvary a few years after my oldest son, Eddie, passed away in 2013. And I started teaching these Bible studies to help get our church and, and my eyes on the Lord of his faithfulness and his goodness. And when you think about it, the book isn't a book on grief. Um, It's a book on a troubled heart. And there's a lot of things that can trouble our heart. Um, The way the world is going today, a big crisis, a small crisis, a marriage issue, a prodigal kid, a divorce, a money thing, on and on the list goes. Crisis, difficulties, hardships, they trouble our hearts. So putting this together Uh, was an encouragement for me, not only to teach the Bible studies, but in cooperation with my assistant back then, Cassandra, uh, editing them and putting them into book form. And we've seen thousands upon thousands of copies of this book go forward and, and minister and bless many. So I'd encourage you to pick it up. Whether you pick it up here, you can get it anywhere books are sold. If you want to support Um, the ministry here, fantastic, but we just want to put it in your hands. And I would even say, if you can't afford it uh, and you can't afford to support, I'll I'll send you a copy. Just email me directly um, because I want you to be encouraged. I want you to know that God loves you. I want you to know that there is a God in heaven that loves you and, and he's ready to help you. 
And if we send you a free copy, great. Um, you know, and that helps. That's with everyone else that that donates. You know, that helps send out some of these things. And um, again, if you're in a deep difficulty, your heart is troubled. I'd love to encourage you, minister to you. You can request God's help for the troubled heart when you visit our e-store at calvaryco.store. And please remember that your gifts help to make this program possible. We look to the Lord to provide for us. If He's leading you to take an active role in the ministry through either a one-time gift or ongoing support, please visit us online, aboundinggraceradio.com, or call 877-30-GRACE. We do have a little bit of time left, so let's see what's in store for next time when Pastor Ed will continue his message, When Crisis Hits. Can he be using this crisis in your life to get your attention, to talk to you, to reveal in you what he wants to do in you without taking it so personal? Because if this man would have taken it personal and flipped out on Jesus and walked away, he would have never heard the next words. He would have never heard what God had for him next. It's just not wise to run away and get easily offended. It's not wise. It's not good for you. Even if it's delivered wrong, even if it was a mistake, God wants to help you, and so do. And, of course, I use the example, and, and I exaggerate just a little bit for the sake of making a point. There's a, that, that's called hyperbole, by the way. There's a technique, in, a technique in English to be able to make a point. That's what I was doing right now is exaggerating to get your attention that it's not wise to take things personally. Because if that's you, then you're going to run from pastor to pastor and church to church the rest of your life with never changing. And that's just the way it is. Our study in John's Gospel continues next time we get together for Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. See you then. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.